The Providence Journal presents Nick and Bob, the college basketball podcast for Rhode Island and around the nation with your hosts, Kevin McNamara and Bill Koch. Hello and welcome to the Providence Journal's Pick and Pop podcast. This is Kevin McNamara here in Providence and we have our, uh, well, I I guess the shows are all big, but this is a bigger than usual podcast because we're on the eve of the uh, PCURI game on Friday night down at the Ryan Center and uh, Bill Koch and I are here to discuss. Bill, uh, I know in past years we've gone longer Longer than usual podcast, but there's no reason for that. We'll make it action-packed, our usual roughly half hour of uh, local college basketball. We're ready to go? There is much to discuss, as usual. No question. Uh, Not to slight uh, the Brown and Bryant teams, but uh, we do want to clear the decks a little bit uh, on this podcast. So just want to touch base quickly on both Bryant and Brown. Uh, Bill and I saw Brown beat... uh, Merrimack really easily on uh, Wednesday. What day is today? On Wednesday night. It was Wednesday night. Um, in really impressive fashion after uh, losing their previous two games. So a good bounce back for the Bears. Um, with exam period coming up, they, they're stepping up their schedule. They go on the road the next three games at Stony Brook, at St. John's, and at some place in Durham, North Carolina after Christmas. Uh, I think it's called Duke. Cameron Indoor Stadium. Uh, before they uh, return to the Pizzatola Sports Center, where they will face the Rhodey Rams. So, not till January 2nd will uh, the Bears be back on the east side. So, they're kind of out of sight for a while uh, and dealing with exams. Where uh, Bryant is going to go um, Friday night, uh, opposite PCURI, uh, where they will host Columbia. And I know that you saw Bryant earlier this week. And uh, Got to give Jared Grasso's kids a lot of credit. They're 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 definitely pointing upward, which is which is where you want to be. A very different team from from a physical standpoint. A lot more talent there. A lot more options there. Uh, beat Navy sixty forty five. A Navy team that played very well against Brown their previous game. Um, Brian's defense was excellent in that game. Uh, Navy's two guards, John Carter Jr. and, and Cam Davis, went six for thirty. Hmm. From the field, uh, you know, so that gives you an idea of of what Brown was uh, Brown what Brown what Bryant was able to do on the perimeter. Kevin, I can't contain myself. I'm ready to get to your IPC. I, I, I can't get the words out. So after Bryant uh, hosts Columbia, my guess is they're looking at exam uh, period to uh, slow down for a little bit. Uh, one more game at Fordham. Uh, Jared Grasso returns to the New York metro area. Yes. Uh, then exam period, and then they will be. At Dartmouth, and then after Christmas at Maryland, which will be a very uh, stiff test indeed. It's an up game, as they say. It certainly is. But um, great. So now we are folks. I, I give um, both um, SID Supremes Shane Donaldson and Arthur Parks credit. They clear the decks. There's no access to either team uh, today. Uh, we were at uh, down in Kingston on Tuesday, and at Providence on Wednesday, talking to the players and the coaches and. Just want to uh, uh, get our analysis up and going for uh, for the annual matchup. First of all, this is a rivalry game. Of course. Okay, so I, I got a, a great phone call from our esteemed uh, ex-retired uh, columnist, Jim Donaldson. Who, uh, uh, he, he doesn't like the fact that the, the rivalry word isn't used more prominently. Raises his hackles a little bit. Yeah, and uh, I said, well, you know, I don't think that 
Rhode Island is Providence's top rival. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, Villanova is their top rivalry. Their biggest games in the last six, seven years have been against Villanova. Big East tournament championships, you know, et cetera, et cetera, semifinals. And I said, I think Rhode Island's biggest rival should be Davidson, VCU. VCU, Dayton. Yeah, Dayton. Right, right. And his comeback is, well, uh, is Rhode Island Dayton's biggest rival? Right. Is Providence Villanova's biggest rival? And the answer is no. You Correct. Know, Jim, of course, has his arguments ready to go. He's an argumentative type. <laughs> um, so maybe, you know, you, you can slice it any way you want. Uh, w- those other conference games are huge games and very important games and rivalry games. But these, this is the non-conference rivalry that will hopefully uh, go on forever. And uh, it's drawing intense interest, and as it always does, uh, sellout crowd, big ticket numbers. If you don't have your ticket, you got to get your wallet ready because you got to go on one of the resale uh, sites and pay some pretty good numbers, uh, multiple hundreds for good seats, right, Bill? Yeah, that's what I've seen. Uh, you know, you want to sit courtside, you're talking three, four hundred dollars, uh, and it's always a tougher ticket at the Ryan Center. Obviously, far fewer seats than at the Dunk. Uh, you know, in my mind, a, a far better atmosphere. Oh, um, did you say three, four hundred dollars? I did. Do you think John Egan has to pay three, four hundred dollars? Of course not. I would hope not. Of course not. I mean, that seems like a stiff number he's for, John Egan. for certain people. No, he's uh, John Egan. The Rhode Island Glitterati w- will be in, would, would in, Tom in Ryan, attendance. Would Tom Ryan have to play $400? Well, Tom Ryan pays his – he has a season ticket, so he already has his tickets. Of course uh, he does. Certain people just swoop in for this game. I see. Uh, as do certain URI fans. It was funny. I, I put something in my column today, and I said – uh, this is the toughest ticket of the year. Uh, no matter if the Rams are playing for the A-10 championship against Dayton, this is the toughest ticket, the most expensive ticket, and there's some URI fans who will be there tomorrow night, and they won't be back. And people, what do you mean? I know them. They're called my cousins. I don't want to use their names, but I have cousins who live in South County. They go to one game every two years, and it's this game, and I have no problem with that. Well, it raises the uh, intensity, and you know everyone loves the atmosphere at the Ryan Center tomorrow night, as do I, and it's because more people are excited about this one game. Yeah, it, it raises uh, a good point and in, in something very smart that URI's marketing department and uh, ticketing department has done. Uh, they have attached the Providence game to a five-game package uh, this year, and, and I believe last time as well. When PC game came here, uh, you end up with Providence, a couple other marquee games, and then a couple lesser home non-conference games. And you know, I think it's it's pretty savvy marketing because it assures that you know folks like your cousins have to buy the five game package, and maybe they end up in the building for a VCU or for a Davidson, mm-hmm. and you know maybe they'll also turn out for a Manhattan or, or something like that and beef up the crowd for a, a secondary opponent. So. You know, this is certainly a game that, that you or I, from a business perspective, uh, from a branding perspective, tries to capitalize on every other year when it does come to the Ryan Center. Well, it's interesting. And to t- tip my hat to you or I, uh, just ask Ed Cooley, and I'm sure he'll, he'll feel it again tomorrow night, and he'll comment on it after the game. He, he always leaves the Ryan Center, uh, win, lose, or draw, and says, how do they not win more games here every year. Right. And my response is, well, the atmosphere is not like that every game. And and that's no knock against URI. When Villanova comes in, uh, for example, a very different atmosphere at the dunk than when Merrimack, Merrimack comes is in. there. Or DePaul, for that matter, is 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 there. Right. Uh, that's just the way of the world. But, you know, Ed Cooley doesn't 
swoop in for the URI Sacred Heart game. You know, the, the, <laughs> he only he's only there once every two years, and he says it's as tough an atmosphere as the Friars face anywhere they go. And then they play before sold out crowds around the Big East somewhat routinely. So. Um, Looking forward to the atmosphere. That's always a highlight. Uh, since the Ryan Center has opened, uh, Rhode Island has won five of the eight games. Uh, PC's three losses, three wins uh, were a, um, I think it was an 18-point win in their very first, uh, Ed Cooley's very first trip down there. And the uh, Friars have also won by one point and by two points in, um, in their three wins. All three wins uh, were under Cooley. Uh, Dan Hurley won one time, which was the last time, two years ago, right. 2017. Uh, really interesting game that we've referred to all week in our coverage. Uh, the star of the game was a first-half freshman, and it was Fats Russell. Uh, he had 14 points in that first half. Uh, Rams had a nice 11-point cushion at the half. Providence made their expected push in the second half, got the game to three. And a very good roadie team led by you know Jared Terrell, E.C. Matthews, uh, Jeff Doughton, uh, among others, uh, held off the Friars and went on to, uh, you know, obviously an outstanding season uh, and the NCAA tournament. Um, but this is a very different uh, go-around here, Bill. Um, both teams are off to, I would say, well, Providence is not off to a good start at all, and Rhode Island is off to a, you know, up-and-down start. And we're going to start with the Rams here, uh, coming off a 86-81 loss at West Virginia, uh, where they played really well. I, I was impressed with uh, the way Rhodey played, and certainly Fats Russell uh, tops the list. He's playing as well as really any guard in the country right now. Yeah, he's unstoppable at this point, and, and you just see the effect that confidence has on a player. Uh, you know, Ed Cooley said it on Thursday, uh, sorry, Wednesday, in his media availability. This is a different guy than, than the guy that we saw last year. And, you know, Fats is riding six straight games with 20 points or more. Um, the last URI player to even reach five games with 20 or more was Will Daniels, uh, who ended up with almost 1,700 career points. So it gives you an idea what kind of scorer he was, and, and it gives you some perspective on what kind of run Fats Russell is on right now. Uh, he had 32 points against the Mountaineers. They tried multiple defenders against him, helped against him, hedge screens against him, couldn't do anything. Uh, and most impressive for Fats, I think, was he only took four three-pointers. He's going to the rim. He's attacking right now. Uh, you can see how aggressive he is, and, and you know how willing he is to go into the trees. Um, you know, you or I just needed more help from some other guys in that game to to win a game like that against West Virginia, who is much improved from last season. Very good team. Uh, Unde- undefeated. Yet seven and zero to start. You need much more than three for ten and six points from Jeff Doughton, and, and I think that's probably where we should start. Any hopes that URI has against PC, David Cox bench Jeff Doughton to start the second half. Needs more from seniors like him and Cyril Angevine, who played a good second half against West Virginia, didn't really show for the first half. Those guys need to be leading in your marquee games. They need to play well. Um, you're not going to win at West Virginia, at Maryland, in a big home game against Providence that they've been through before unless those guys play well consistently. Well, I'm certainly expecting that trio of um, Fats, Jeff Doughton, and, and Langevine to play really well. Uh, we'll get into our keys of the game in, in a bit more, but uh, it, it's mandatory that those three are, are not only good, but good together. And uh, we've seen that in their big wins. Uh, the last you know, big win they've had 
at home was probably the Alabama game, although to Rhode Island's credit, they were pushed hard against Nichols State and, and won at home by five. And uh, Manhattan was not a walkover as well. Uh, ended up winning by nine seventy three sixty four. 63 In that game, uh, Langevin was was saddled with foul trouble, I believe, and uh, only was was limited to seven points. Fats had 20, Jeff 24. So, uh, but Providence, in theory, should be stronger than Manhattan, but uh, we'll get to that. Um, uh, you know, th- th- those two guards are, are always the key to Rhode Island all, all year long. Somebody mentioned uh, the combination of Mobley and Wheeler with those two, and I said, well, that, let's that, slow down. That's a little different comparison than I'm ready to go to. We're, we're not going Garrick Owens here either. No, let's, that, let's they, stop they, short of they, that as they well. Did, they didn't say that. They, they, they went to uh, to the late 90s uh, backcourt stars. Mm. Um, we'll see about that. But uh, Russell, just, just back to him a little bit. Besides, you know, it was interesting. David Cox mentioned uh, he kind of got his hair up a little bit, his back up a little bit, where he said, you know, Fats is, is improved, he's worked really hard, he's matured, and he thought he got some undeserved criticism last year, uh, maybe on this podcast from time to time. Uh, but he, he his shooting numbers last year were, were not good, especially from the three-point line, uh, and that hurt the Rams throughout the season. And this year, uh, not only is he is he shooting a, a better percentage at thirty six percent from the three point line, but more importantly, not shooting as many. And you made mention of that already. Uh, I think there might have been some social media chatter and, and maybe some message board chatter that might have gotten back to David Cox last year uh, regarding Fats Russell. And you know, as you know, Kevin, any advice that you would give to any coach is not to pay any mind to any of that. Uh, you know, but this being what it is, college basketball coaches have relationships with players they feel like they need to protect them and you know shepherd them and mentor them and you know if if David isn't hurt by criticism of a guy that he recruited and an important guy in his program I would be surprised uh, because I I genuinely think that he cares uh, about the guys that he coaches and you know I also think that a lot of times we forget that these guys are kids. They are going to be inconsistent. Um, you know, they're young players in terms of their basketball careers. Uh, you know, someone like Fats, Jeff Doughton, Cyril Langevin, you, you figure they're all going to be able to go overseas and, and play for the next, you know, eight to ten years when they're done at URI. Um, you know, and I also think that, that that's an acknowledgement by David Cox of how important he felt like Fats was going to be to this program and how critical it was to get his mind right for this season mm. because he, I think he knew he was going to have to contribute like this. I think that's the thing is, you know, fine, he heard it last year and, you know, you don't want to put too much pressure on a player. So he, I'm sure last year, clearly Fats was pressing. So as a coach, you don't want to add anything more. But in the offseason, that's fuel. And clearly, you can say, hey, Fats, you know, you got a lot of flack last year. Uh, you know, you didn't play up to your capability. I know you want to play better. And I don't know what he did all summer. Uh, I'm sure you'll be able to catch up with him throughout the, uh, throughout the uh, season here because there'll be an awful lot of Fats Russell uh, stories uh, written by Bill Koch in the journal. But uh, whatever he did, uh, he clearly got better. And it's not as if he became a better three-point shooter. He became a smarter, more mature point guard. Right. Uh, which is exactly what this team needed. Now, interesting, uh, somebody asked me the other day, well, you know, Fats is only 5'10", you know, and he might not be 5'10". Allegedly. Yeah. Uh, so he's the point guard. I said, well, yeah, he might be the point guard, but, but the brains of the 
offense, to lack of a better term, uh, are Jeff Doughton. He's the senior. He handles the ball, you know, just as much. So this is a team that really plays with two point guards. Is is that fair to say? I think so. I think so. And that's to their benefit. It should be. Um, you know, last year they, they moved Jeff off the ball. They needed a little bit more scoring punch. Uh, and he was maybe a little more experienced, a little more consistent than Fats. He had double digits in, I think, 31 of their 33 games last season. Uh, you know, certainly carried the load well. And, and Fats went through some lumps, you know, trying to play a little more on the ball and, and trying to be a little bit more of a facilitator. Uh, this season, you look at Fats' assist to turnover ratio. Uh, it's there. It, it's very good. It's two to one uh, plus. Um, yeah, you know, you're talking about 39 assists and 15 turnovers. Those are certainly point guard numbers. You add that with 21.1 points per game, uh, that's plenty good. You know what stat jumps out to me the most is his steals. He's almost at four steals a game. And when Fats Russell gets a steal, you know what is happening at the other end? Yeah. It's a layup. It's a layup. Because he's so fast in transition. So, uh, you know, if I'm Providence, I'm really concerned about him and his defense on the ball because he turns a steal into a quick two, either for him or for a dunk at the other end for somebody else. Well, and that's the old coaching cliche that your offense is going to start with your defense. And, you know, in his case, just with his energy, Kevin, and I think you picked up on this very early in his freshman year, and, and it was probably in that Providence game in particular, mm. just how infectious he is. The the way that he's sort of able to light up a building or light up his teammates, uh, it's a very unique quality that, mm-hmm. that he has, and not everybody has it. And, and it's special to watch when it's happening in person. And I think when he makes those plays on defense and he gets out on the break, it's exciting. Yeah, he, he's good when he's good at both ends uh, because he can spark a defense, and obviously offensively he's, he's in just an explosive player. Uh, electricity, explosive, you know, th- th- those are terms that fans love to see. And uh, with the atmosphere that we'll see from the fans at the Ryan Center, it really plays into a Fats Russell big game. And I know that you're writing about it for Friday. Uh, he's, he's the key to the game. There's no, in my eyes, there's no other way around it. Well, now, I'm not saying he has to get 32 like he did at West Virginia, but uh, he needs to play well for Rhode Island to be where they need to be. On either, on either roster, out of all the players who will play in this game on Friday night, he's played the best so far this season. Not, I, I don't think there's any two ways about that. Not even close. Not, not even close. Um, so let's uh, transition to the Friars a little bit before, again, we, we uh, get into the matchup. The Friars are coming off a three-game tournament out at the uh, Wooden Legacy in Anaheim, uh, it can only be described as really disappointing. It, it, was a, it was a difficult, difficult trip for the Friars and kind of builds on what's been a very inconsistent nine-game start to the season. They're 5-4, and four, uh, lost a heartbreaker to Long Beach State after losing a 17-point lead, uh, then came back and built a 14-point lead over Charleston, Lost again by eight points and then had a big lead against Pepperdine, got down to one point, and they ended up winning by three, 80 77. Uh, in all honesty, Bill, I, I, I'm, I'm surprised. You know, the Friars at this stage, nine games in, with the experience and talent they have on hand, uh, they're a major work in progress, and yet they're dropping too many games. Uh, they're digging themselves a hole with a non conference schedule that, in all honesty, now it's getting hard. Uh, we've right. already been through the easier parts, and yet they've lost three of the last four, uh, including the last home game 
to Pennsylvania where they were all but blown out. They were down 18 points in the first half. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to ask you what your uh, take is on the Friars, and, and then I'll follow with myself. Uh, it's a chemistry experiment that's not really working so far. It, it's like bread that you're trying to make, and you forget the yeast, and it refuses to rise. How about pasta? You know, we're in Providence. All right, pasta, good enough. Okay. Um, the, the spices are not mixing. The, it's true. The, the Long Beach State game, you have a 17-point lead. Long Beach State has a 0.6% chance of winning that game with 17 minutes left, according to our friends at Ken Palm. The Friars throw that one away. Uh, against Charleston, Grant Riller was the best player on the floor. Uh, you know, We talked about him a little bit last night at the Brown game. Uh, kid who who didn't really have a ton of even good mid major offers. Um, you know, I think he's a, a Florida guy, and you know, like South Florida didn't offer him, Central Florida didn't offer him. Uh, he's going to be one of the best players in the CAA this year, and probably was last year too. Uh, you know, dominated the Friars in that game. They they couldn't stop him. And, and then against Pepperdine, you're just looking to salvage anything mm. out of the tournament uh, you're staring a four game losing streak in the face uh, you know, and you're able to beat the waves who, who were down a couple starters and you're know, playing close to home and, and you know a pretty good shooting team but someone who you have more talent than and, and so it's it's surprising to see Providence struggle like this but I also look at it and I think to myself there are two things that they have going forward and I said this on last week's podcast they do have talent there and they do have opportunity going forward. And if you were to ask a head coach, if you need to fix something that's broken, those are the two things that they would want, first and foremost. The talent to do so and the chances to play elite opponents going forward to get some big wins. So my take on the Friars is that it, for the second straight year, they, they've had below average point guard play. You know, We just referenced that the Rams are being led by really two high-end point guards in Russell and Doughton. Uh, the Friars last year really struggled playing uh, Makai, Ash, and Langford and Malik White at point guard. Uh, it just didn't work. Uh, it wasn't Big East quality point guard. So Providence goes out and gets a, a fifth-year transfer, grad transfer, and Lawan Pipkins. And so far, he has not fit in. It's, it's as simple as that. He's shooting... Uh, 29% from the floor, 28% from the three-point line, taking too many threes and not enough paint touches. Right. And I think that's been the conversation w- uh, between uh, the coaching staff and Pipkins is this, is this is how we need you to play. And it, it hasn't happened yet. And I, I'm not going to fault Pipkins um, 100% here because he's in a tough spot. You know, he, he's coming in from a, a losing program at UMass where he was asked to shoot the ball all the time uh, and, and, and be the guy. He's coming into a veteran team, team with a lot of expectations, team with a good amount of talent, and he has to play a very different way. So it, it's a transition for him. I do think, as you said, it's early in the season, uh, earlier in the season, where he can find the right, you know, role and, and the right play the point guard the way that this team needs to be, it to be played. But so far, that's not happened. And I just have a hard time believing that they're going to go into a really tough environment on Friday night, and all of a sudden, things are going to start to click. But that's what needs to happen. So that's A, uh, point guard play. And B, Alpha Diallo is a preseason All-Big East guy, uh, has had a very good career. He's off to a bad start. Uh, he's He's shot too many threes in some really bad losses. He's shooting 21% from the three. From the three. Uh, and in the really nightmarish 
final two minutes of the Long Beach State game, he missed a very important front end of a one and one. He's shooting 60% from the three throw line. Uh, he's going to get to the free throw line more than any other friar. Right. So he, need, he needs to shoot better than 60%. Right. So, uh, and the positive for the Friars, uh, David Duke is a totally different player, probably been their most consistent and best player so far. And what I saw out of Nate Watson in California is, is very encouraging. He's their best inside player by far. He's a very important player for the Friars. He's only averaged 16 minutes a game. They need to get him over 20. And, uh, you know, Bill, we saw him on the Focus Machine yesterday at, uh, oh, did at you? the Ruane oh, Center. So the Focus Machine, uh, focus machine means uh, extra running and uh, getting Nate into shape is a really important mm. focus for Ed Cooley so he can get him up to 20, 25 minutes uh, a game because uh, he's the inside scorer that the team he's really the only legit inside scorer they have and and one they really need because guess what you're not taking contested threes anymore when you can throw it inside to Nate no you you better not uh, you know Pipkins you make a good point he, he's sort of a hired gun here little little bit of a mercenary comes in as a grad transfer uh, you know leaves the UMass program where last season he was preseason first team All A ten uh, you know a guy who has talent. There's no question. I thought it was really interesting in the second half against Pepperdine. He spent an extended stretch on the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if that was Ed Cooley liking his lineup on the floor or Ed Cooley maybe saying, hey, look, we can play pretty well without you. Yeah, you got to go out there and play it the right way. I think it was somebody named Colby Ross, who we, we talked about under-recruited guys. Colby Ross is, is a junior at Pepperdine. He, uh, he had 29 points, mm. eight rebounds, four assists, and they needed someone to stop him. So the, the, um, their defensive guards, Malik White and David Duke, have the defensive edge over Pipkin. So I think that's why you saw more of those two. Yep. And yet Colby still went for 29. So uh, he's an under-recruited kid from, California, from Colorado who ended up in Malibu. He can play anywhere he wants to. In the country. Um, and he has a future as a travel agent. Let me tell you, well, he's leaving Colorado for Malibu. That's pretty good. He's figured it out. Yeah. He's figured it out. Yeah. But, um, you know, the Friars are in transition, but the problem, uh, Bill, is look at their schedule. Uh, they go at Rhode Island. First of all, they're five and four. So I don't know how many wins you're going to give them between now and the start of Big East play, but they have four games left at Rhode Island, Stony Brook at home, Florida uh, in Brooklyn on a neutral court, and home against Texas. So only four games. The best they can be is 9-4 and before they go into a Big East that does not have a top-10 team but has a lot of really good teams from top to bottom. Right. So, you know, that just makes – you know, I know that I wrote for today, you know, both teams think this game is really important for very different reasons. And for Providence, it's it's time to win. You know, their best win right now is against Pepperdine – Pepperdine's not going to win the West Coast Conference. I think Gonzaga is, is probably going to beat them. I hear they're pretty good. And St. Mary's, Mary's is pretty good. Pretty good. BYU, yeah, pretty good. So you get you get the picture. They're a middle of the road, tough league. West San Francisco, almost, USF almost beat Arizona State the yeah, other night. That's a, a tough league. It's a tough league. Um, so you know Providence needs to start making some hay in the non-conference, or else. They are up against it when we're talking about the postseason. And bottom line, forget about. It. I know David Cox said it yesterday, uh, two days ago. You know, you know, we need to get a win against a you know an NCAA tournament level team. Providence isn't even close to an NCAA tournament level team as we speak. Right. 
it's a long season, blah, blah, blah. But they need to start, they need to flip the switch yesterday. Yeah, this is definitely a game that, that they should bring some urgency into, and I think they will. Um, you know, we were talking about this a little bit last night after the Brown game. If you look at the Big East right now, uh, with the exception of maybe St. John's. Say St. John's is, is the... Well, uh, Providence is, is looks like the weakest team in the league on their sure. resume, but St. St. John's, I would say, if but I had if to you're rate one through the, ten. If you're yeah. looking at the nine opponents who they're going to play home and home, mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of St. John's, Providence could go, let's say, 11-7 and seven in the Big East, and, and assuming that they sweep St. John's... well, 11-7? Uh, these are just scenarios. Oof. If if they were to go say eleven and seven in the Big East and they sweep St. John's, the other nine wins are going to be quadrant one. Right. There, there's no question about that. Uh, you win at Rhode Island, that's quadrant one. You manage to beat Florida on a neutral court, that's probably going to be quadrant one. You beat Texas at home, it's probably a quad two. So all of a sudden, wow, you're looking at Ed, Ed Cooley would, would uh, hug and kiss you. But that's the thing. You're you're looking at their resume in March and what it could be. Yeah. Based on what's on the schedule. They're going to make a very strong argument, even if they manage to get to, say, 18 and 14, 19 and 13. A lot of those wins, just by definition, based on who they're playing, are going to be good wins. Right. But you, you, just, you just glossed over some really difficult games. Of course I did. Beginning it's all at Rhode Island on Friday. It's all projection. You know, but I, they need, you still need to go out on the floor and win the games. And I guess the larger point opportunity. is... Opportunity. Opportunity. You have... Chances. This isn't like, you know, some other programs who only have three or four big time games during the year, and then they go into the conference and sure. they're going to run it off, go sixteen and two. They'll be twenty six and five on Selection Sunday, and the committee will look and say, well, they haven't beaten anyone. Yeah, but but Providence is in a position where they could win. Now they don't. They've never won twelve ever. No. So no. we'll be kind and give them ten or eleven Big East wins, which is saying a lot. And yet on Selection Sunday, we'll say, yeah, but yeah, but they were. You know, seven and six non-conference. Yeah, started with bad. their best win at Rhode Island. Had some bad losses. With some well. bad losses, right? Uh, so that's right. That cannot be wiped away. That's the other side. So they have they have issues. Uh, so it's not the start of the season anymore. The Friars need to get going. I don't mean to minimize it. They have major work to do. There's no question about it. I, I just see them having chances. And and I look at Rhode Island, and I think Providence is a game that they must win. Because the three games that they played already, the two road games against West Virginia and Maryland, and the neutral court game against LSU, they lost all three. So none of those games, they didn't take the chance in any of those games to move the needle. You've got Providence at home, Western Kentucky at home. Those need to be wins now. They're they're not really as optional for URI. The A-10 is performing pretty well. You've got VCU playing well, Dayton playing well, uh, Richmond better than expected. Uh, but for URI to get themselves to a point where they are going to be a factor in March, Providence is a game that they need to win as well. And they have Dayton and VCU twice? Dayton, VCU, and Davidson home and home. Davidson's All three. the most disappointing team. They've struggled big time. Yeah. Uh, but yes, but th- four those, chances those against four are VCU really, and Dayton. Really important. Really important. But, you know, Bill... We could say right now, well, Providence certainly has zero quad one wins. Rhode Island might have zero as well. You know, Alabama is three and four, faces a tough schedule still to go before the SEC even begins. You know, great win a couple of weeks ago down in, in Kingston. 
uh, over the Crimson Tide, but the Crimson Tide is is they're probably not even close to an NCAA tournament team. They haven't held up their end. Yeah, so which far. you know, what are you going to do? You know, it's a, it's a great game, it's a good win, but uh, now you got to root for the Crimson you Tide. You root for them. Heavy, That's right. Heavy. That's right. All right, let, let, let's get to the game here a little bit. So. I think we both agree that the key to this matchup is both uh, stopping Fats Russell and Fats Russell going off. And then what's number two? What's what's the next one? Um, you know, generally, I, I look and I think, you know, who's the who are the other guys who are going to pop up if if the if the veterans here give you the expected contributions? If Alpha Diallo is good, if Jeff Doughton is good, if Cyril Langevine is good. Who's going to pop up? I, I look at Providence against Pepperdine. I really like that A.J. Reeves played well in that game. I think they need him desperately mm-hmm. uh, to be a good team. You know, I look at Rhode Island, and I think, is Tyrese Martin going to come out and be you know, maybe that third scorer that they need with Russell and Doughton? Um, is he going to give them some balance? Uh, is Langevin going to win his matchup with Nate Watson or, or Providence's bigs inside? Uh, can Pipkins sort of redeem himself at the Ryan Center? He, he's had three tough games there with UMass. Uh, did not play particularly well in in any of the three games he's 0-3 with the Minutemen Uh, he should be comfortable in that gym he's been there before is this going to be sort of his redemption tour uh, that's that's another storyline to watch, I think. Right. Um, you know, I, I just look and I, I think, you know, much like two years ago, Fats Russell just kind of exploded onto the screen, uh, and then Jared Terrell and E.C. Matthews and Stan Robinson sort of did what they did. Um, is there going to be a, a peripheral guy who, who comes in and, and swings the balance in this game? That that always intrigues me when, when Providence and you or I play each other. I think a key for me, um, and it'll be really interesting uh, the way Providence defends Fats Russell and the Rams. I, I would throw some zone at Rhode Island uh, early. I wouldn't say often, but early, just to give them a different look, only because Russell and Jeff Doughton are so good off ball screens. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tortured Alabama, for example, off the ball screens, and surprised by you know surprise, surprise, Jeff Doughton probably his best game of the year. Yeah, he was great that night. When they play man-to-man, Providence, uh, I think David Duke and Malik White and obviously Pipkins will see an awful lot of fat. So it won't be a, you know, Duke versus Fats-Russell matchup because you know what will happen there. Duke will be on the foul, uh, on the bench with fouls. Right. So I think you'll see a rotation of different faces, different sizes of guys. You know, really different defender that Fats would have to see when he sees Duke versus Pipkins, for example. Uh, Malik White is very strong and active, uh, but not as big as Duke. A little bigger than Pipkins. So all three of those guys, I think, will take a, a, a run at Fats. But I, I think the number one. Uh, number two key after slowing him down for Providence will be just dominating the backboards. Uh, Khalif Young, Emmett Holt, Nate Watson, all three of those guys have to have uh, good to, to very good games off the glass because I think that's uh, the number one weakness for Rhode Island. For example, in the LSU game, uh, LSU scores 96 points and uh, kills Rhode Island off the boards by 13. Uh, has 12 offensive rebounds uh, against West Virginia. West Virginia scores 86 points and wins the rebound battle with 14 offensive rebounds. Uh, I think Providence, if they ever get uh, Langevin in foul trouble, to his credit, he's really learned to play without fouling. Mm. Uh, but I wonder if he also backs off at times because he 
oftentimes is alone. They, they don't have another really big wide body who can play big minutes. Uh, Jermaine Harris is a really important guy in, in these up games where Rhode Island is the smaller team. Uh, that doesn't happen in the A-10 on a consistent basis. happens from time to time. But it does when you play an LSU and a West Virginia and a Providence where they have multiple guys at you know, 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", 250 pounds. It's just a very different dynamic. Uh, Langevin can play with anybody in the country at that level, but Rhode Island doesn't have that, those, you know, that deep stable of, of guys. Right. Uh, and I think when Providence doesn't shoot well and they're not a good shooting team, uh, the opportunity for offensive rebounds is plentiful. And uh, that's where they really have to – and Alpha Diallo i got to throw in as well. He's as good a rebounder – you know, he's the best rebounder they have. Yeah. Uh, and can be very dangerous off the offensive glass. Yeah, Rody, uh, 247 in, in giving up offensive rebounds in the country. They're 247th in the country. Uh, opponents get about 30% of their misses off the glass, uh, you know, which is not a good number. Um, that needs to be better, obviously. And, you know, I, I think that's – you know those points, those second chance points. I think they're doubly disappointing for a defense. You have to work so hard to get a stop, and and in general, you know your eyes perimeter defense has been very good. You know mm-hmm. opponents shoot uh, just shy of twenty nine percent from three. Um, so you can imagine their guards maybe harassing a shooter on the wing or, or out high. He misses a three. And they get the rebound and start the set all over again. You know, have the ball for another 25, 30 seconds. Drain the shot clock. It's That's difficult mentally to, to try and overcome, to try and play with. Um, so you, you assume that in a rivalry game like this with the energy in the Ryan Center and what it's going to be, that those effort stats are going to take care of themselves. Guys are going to be maxing out. They're going to be playing really hard. Uh, they're going to be hitting the glass and, and defending. Uh, you look at last year's game, 59-50 win by Providence was really ugly. Uh, both teams were super tight, but you could see it on the defensive end. Both teams were dug in. No mm-hmm. one was scoring. No one was getting to the rim. Um, I think a lot of times these rivalry games end up in the mud as opposed to being a track meet, 85-80 or whatever else. I, I agree. Watching the West Virginia game the other day, to be honest with you, I, I was – I didn't think West Virginia played great defense. You know, they, they, I wouldn't say didn't respect Fats Russell, but he, he had some open shots. Mm. Uh, that's not going to happen against Providence. Pro- Providence will know who he is yeah. and will and will know where he is uh, constantly with potentially multiple players. Uh, their trapping defense has been effective at times this year, and uh, the Friars uh, defensively have been very good. Uh, they're only giving up 63 points a game. 41% shooting, 32% three-point shooting. So, uh, you know, 63, if Rhode Island can get to 70 points, I, I think they'd be thrilled. Well, Providence, top 10 in the country, too, in turnover percentage forced. Uh, 26% of your possessions, you give it to the Friars. It's pretty good. So, uh, we got to wrap it up here, Bill. Uh, prediction time. Prediction. Kevin I, Mack? I predicted in the paper today. I, I always like the, the home team in this Series and the home team has won. What did I have? Thirteen of the last sixteen. Thirteen and three. Of the home team. So, uh, Fatch Russell is playing better than anyone on the two teams, and the Rams are at home, and it's time to win. Yeah, I uh, I will also take Rhode Island in this game. Uh, you know, now that we've both picked the Rams, that means Providence will win. That's Murphy's law. Uh, 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 bring it on, Friar fans! And uh, <laughs> you probably you know you shouldn't sleep uh, poorly. But I, I look at this and I just think that you know Providence in in all of their games away from home, whether it was at Northwestern, uh, Long Beach State, Charleston, even Pepperdine, 
they just haven't played well and, and haven't necessarily shown, uh, you know, maybe the sort of focus, mental toughness, wh- whatever words you'd like to use, they've just looked a different team uh, when they faced a, a quality opponent, for one, and an opponent away from the Dunkin' Donuts Center. It's looked like two different teams. So, you know, I'm not necessarily certain that that they're going to be able to walk into the Ryan Center based on what's gone on already this year, be able to overcome that atmosphere and overcome a URI team that that desperately needs the game uh, and that has plenty of talent in its own right. 7 o'clock, nationally televised on ESPN2. I give the ESPN people an awful lot of credit. I give the A-10 an awful lot of credit for highlighting this in their uh, non-conference package. They can only offer so many non-league games to ESPN, and they realize that PCURI uh, not only is a great game for our state, but has some national uh, resonance as well. So I hope everyone enjoys it, and we'll be back next week with more Pick and Pop podcast.